Strava Craft Coffee is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get it whole bean or you can get it ground and you can always get it sent straight to your door for 20% off when you use the code DNVR20. Great stuff, that Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, you got to try it and see what that CBD infusion does for you. At the very least, it might just take away those coffee jitters that you don't like and, and at the most, it can help you with uh, pain or other things that you're dealing with. So make sure you hit up Strava Craft Coffee today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver is definitely the place to go if you're looking for an online education, and they've got rigorous and affordable programs that bring the real world into the classroom. You know, if you're, uh, if you're maybe past college age, but you still want to get that education, this is a perfect place for you to go to really get some relevant learning. So head over to msudenver.edu slash online today. My boys, happy Monday. Let's go, all three of us. I can't wait. Oh, man, it's a Monday, and boy, do we have an interesting NFL discuss today. Uh, this one may be a surprise, maybe not a surprise to some, uh, but there's a lot to unpack here. So I'll just start with the bare bones of this. Zach Mace. Your reaction yesterday when you find out the Patriots have signed Cam Newton? Of course. Of course this was going to happen, right? I mean, it seemed like it was either going to be Jameis Winston or Cam Newton. And as time went on, it seemed like, huh, okay, maybe the Patriots are taking a step back this year. But then, come on, Belichick's not going to do that. He's not going to let Brady win in the Belichick versus Brady conversation. So my first uh, thought was, of course. Yeah, and I think as you look at this signing, it's, I hate to say it, but um, it's Belichick kind of getting his way again because not only does he get somebody who can be great, the question on Cam isn't whether he can be a great quarterback uh, when he's healthy. The question is, can he recover from the injuries? And if he does, then... You're, then you're getting him for pennies on the dollar. Even if he hits every incentive, he gets only $7.5 million for his oh deal. Oh, my gosh. And by just kind of waiting this out, you know, they uh, – Bill Belichick potentially wins again. Now, that being said, he's got to be healthy. And that's, and that's the big question is whether he can hold up because – Cam Newton, by the end of his time with Carolina, uh, the injuries had caught up with him. He couldn't get any velocity on his throws. And there's re I mean, there, there are ample reasons why he's only playing for a contract that could be worth up to $7.5 million. And they are entirely because of the health risks. But you look at the Patriots now, they, they have Brian Hoyer, who can at least play a reasonably average level of football. Now they have Cam Newton, and if Newton is healthy, it resets the it resets the deck in the AFC West or AFC East. Pardon me. 
give me a break. <laughs> give me, give me a break. All right. So here's where I'm at on this. I I am stuck in between two takes. My first take was that everyone was crazy for just thinking Jarrett Stidham was going to be good, and I thought that was insane. And and like people were just like, "Ah, oh, he's on the Patriots, so it, it's going to work out for him. It just just watch. He'll be fine." That was crazy. And so my first take was like, yeah, duh, they had to add someone because Stidham has shown nothing. My other take here and that I've been steadfast on for a long uh, he has not been the same quarterback that he was capable of being before Super Bowl 50. Uh, and, yes, there are factors at play like injuries and all those other things. But all I know is that the guy that's been on the field since that game is not the same guy that was on the field before that game. It's not even close. Uh, and I actually ran the numbers this morning just to make sure my eyes were matching up with, uh, with what, I, what I thought the numbers would bear out with. And in every category in his career averages since Super Bowl 50, he is down. The only category that he's not down in, which this actually surprised me, is completion percentage, which is the exact same. He was 60% before, he's 60% after. But passing yards per game are down, yards per attempt are down, rushing yards per game are down, yards per carry are down, total touchdowns per game are down, win percentage is down, QBR is down. He's not the same guy anymore. And, and this is the same thing that people were trying to do with Jarrett Stidham, which is, oh, well, he's on the Patriots, so it's, it's going to be different now. And I think people are crazy for that. And so I don't think Stidham's good. I don't think Cam Newton's good. I'm still fade the Patriots all the way. Okay, it's interesting you mentioned completion percentage because the reason why he, it, it dropped, it, the only reason why it was slightly up was because the last season, 2018, the year in which he was struggling with injuries, struggling to put velocity on the ball, he actually had a career high by far in completion percentage in 2018 of 67.9%. Most of his completion percentages are right there for on a season-long basis, they're right there below uh, below 60%. The year after the Super Bowl, by the way, he only completed 53% of his passes. So what was interesting is he became a more accurate quarterback when his when his when his arm strength and his ability to push it downfield was betraying him because his completion percentage went up that year because he was throwing all sorts of short stuff. So if you take that out, I'm going to agree with your point here, Ryan. Yeah. He wouldn't even be as accurate as he was before. Ryan, but he's on the Patriots. Yeah, it's different. It's, it's, it's different. Can you name uh, Cam Newton's offensive coordinator, coordinators, uh, any offensive staff member since Super Bowl 50? Yeah, Mike Shula, Norv right. Turner. Right. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Pretty solid minds there. Okay. Yeah. How does that compare to Josh McDaniels as, as an I offensive mean, play caller? Okay, I'm glad well, you said We don't play. know. We don't yeah. know because – We've never seen – well, we have seen Josh McDaniels without Tom Brady. It wasn't so great. In New England, it's, it's been nothing but great. Why does it matter his location? Because every that, – that's where Cam's going. That's where he's going. But what going. I'm saying is why uh, – Josh McDaniels' offensive success wasn't based on the water that they have in New England. There's a reason why it's great in New England and terrible in Denver. Was why? Matt, the quarterback. Was Josh McDaniels with Matt Castle? Yes, he was. And then how did Matt Castle do when he left New England? The question should actually be, what, were, <laughs> what was Matt Castle's actual like numbers that year? Were they that great? Or were the Patriots just a good, balanced team? 
well, he had he had sixty three percent completion percentage, twenty one touchdowns, eleven picks. I mean, it was it, it was it was keep the boat sailing. Good. It, it, that's all. That's all it was. It wasn't anything spectacular. And the, the the Patriots did decline by five wins from their previous year. Of course, they had nowhere to go but down after going sixteen and zero. So, but Ryan, you said it, you said it was a, a well balanced team, um, and, and he just kind of steadied the ship. I'm not saying Cam Newton's going to be Super Bowl uh, caliber and MVP caliber just going to New England, but the Patriots have a damn good defense. They have weapons on the offensive side of the ball. They have a running attack that can help balance Cam Newton. I think, unfortunately, I think this is a, is, this is a good Whoa. move. It's, it's a huge upgrade from Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer. And I, I'm not saying the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl, but this is now a big upgrade for them. They have weapons. Did I hear that from you? The Patriots have weapons on the offensive side. Yep. Okay. Who's Ooh. their number one tight end? Um, is it well? Why why are you going to tight end? Matt Lacoste. Exactly. It's Matt probably. There and I can I will say that they have weapons plural have, on the they offense. They have weapon. Yeah, they have I a said, weapon. I said, that's why I said weapons. You, said, you know, you said weapon. You yeah, they have a weapon. RK is right. They have Julian Edelman. The only way it's weapons is if Nikhil Harry steps up and is the receiver that a lot of us thought he was going to be coming into the draft process last year Nikhil Harry struggled now if Harry steps up that changes some things and yes you can say they have weapons but if he doesn't it's a weapon and a bunch of B and a bunch of little BB guns basically Sony Michelle you don't like him he's solid how was it what did how, how was her how was his numbers last year how were his numbers um, I'll, I'll look it up, but I would say he's a weapon. I think he's played turned out pretty well for them so far. He averaged 3.7 yards per carry last year, 4.0 for his career. I got Royce Freeman for you if you like weapons like that. <laughs> Back-to-back 900-yard seasons. It's all yeah. right. Oh, that's – yeah, all right. That's fine. There, There's nothing spectacular there right now. I, I, the thing you're hoping for if you're the Patriots is that – Nikhil Harry busts out because he's the one who still, oh, I think has the potential to step it up and have, and make that second year leap that a lot of wide receivers make. And the success or failure of Cam Newton beyond his health may depend on whether Nikhil Harry can be at least a good wide receiver too, to compliment Julian Edelman. The better question would be who has better weapons, the Patriots or the five win Panthers from last season? <laughs> I mean, they had Christian McCaffrey. Like, I think he might trump everything that the the Patriots have. Christian McCaffrey. Um, I'm forgetting his first name. Moore. Um, DJ Moore. Yeah, DJ Moore. Yeah. Uh, was Greg Olson still playing last year? Greg. Yep. Greg Olson uh, was playing, and uh, now he's not. Right now, their tight end is uh, Ian Thomas, and that's where they're falling. A li- they're falling more than. A little bit short, but remember they well, also I'm talking about just from last season. Is yeah. he downgrading in the weapons? I, I realize he only played a couple games last year. Maybe you go back another year to 2018. They were six and eight. He actually had pretty good numbers that year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, relatively still 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, nothing that's going to blow you away. I I just think it's too easy to just be like, oh, Cam Newton, he was good once, and now he's going to a franchise that was also good for a long time. That's gonna, they're going to get the best out of him. Like, If you're ever uh, not doing well at your job, 
you should get traded to a new job and everyone will only talk about the time that you were good. We did the exact same thing with Joe Flacco. So we were guilty of this as well. But like Cam Newton gets traded to the Patriots and all of a sudden everyone's like, remember 2015? And it's like, well, yeah, that was five years ago. Like if I suck at my job for five years and then I just go work for the Denver Post, everyone's gonna be like, remember how great Ryan was in 2020? Man, hopefully he can get that back. It just, I feel like everyone's really ignoring that Cam Newton is not the same player that he was then. Well, but that that's that, that's not the argument I'm trying to make at all here. I'm saying if and I do believe if any if he's going to succeed anywhere, it's going to be New England. It was a very uh, low risk, high high reward for the Patriots, and well, so it I'll makes sense. That. It, it, and that that's all I'm saying is when you look at the signing. I think it's a very good signing. It could be a very dangerous signing. But let's say Cam's not healthy. Well, it's going to cost the, the Patriots nothing. Let's say Cam isn't good. It's going to cost the Patriots nothing. And then they get to easily go down maybe a tank for Trevor Road or get Justin Fields next year. This just, also, this just gives them a ceiling that is very, very high and keeps the Patriots relevant. You're, you're shaking your head when I say this gives them a ceiling. That, that's high. Yeah, I agreed with you on everything until that. I think that their ceiling is still pretty low. I just – I don't know where – I don't think Cam Newton is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback by any means. Um, I don't think he – you know, I think their chance – I don't even think it's a guarantee that he's going to be the starting quarterback uh, because of what I've seen from him the last few times he was on the field. So, I think that th- the best thing you said there is that it was a low-risk, high-reward. If – somehow cam gets back and and i'm not saying it's impossible i'm saying it's very unlikely uh it if that happens then yes it it was an amazing signing and you know bow down to bill belichick but i don't think it makes them that much better just because i don't think cam is good uh so i think that it, it, it it in the end it just turns out to be low risk low reward okay you said you don't see him as super bowl caliber quarterback and if we're talking about a scenario where the offense has to carry things, I would agree. I don't think he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback right now, not with the health concerns. But with that defense, this is arguably the best defense in football. I think it's the best defense that Bill Belichick has had in all of his years as a head coach. That type of defense, you don't need a great quarterback to get you to the Super Bowl. You do need something, and this is where Cam Newton can help because he has been there before. He does have the roadmap, even though his physical skills may not be what they once were. Let's say the Patriots, we're talking about their receiving weapons, but, but Zach, you mentioned Sony Michelle. Let's say the Patriots recalibrate their offense as something with a lot of zone read and more run heavy. Perhaps something resemb- maybe not quite like it but something resembling the Tim Tebow Broncos offense of 2011 if you pair it with a defense that plays at a high level and you can play relatively low mistake football this can work because New England's D is that good that's that's fair the thing is you know Carolina had a fantastic defense in 2015 and Cam Newton played at MVP caliber. And that's what it took for the, for them to get to the Super Bowl. 
I don't, you know, I think the defense is probably a little bit better. And Cam is a lot worse than he was then. So I just, I don't see it. Here's the other thing. You know, when Randy Moss went to New England after two really rough years in Oakland, there was this idea that, like, the Patriots are the kings of the reclamation. Send anyone to New England and they're going to get back. Are there any examples of this happening since Randy Moss? Is there, is there anyone who's gone there? You know, they tried to reclaim Josh Gordon. That didn't work. They tried to reclaim An- Antonio Brown. That didn't work. I'm trying to think of a, of a guy who's gone there since Randy Moss and, you know, Bill ba- Belichick just magically made him great again after they weren't as good anymore. Well, what, what those two other things that you pointed out, those were low-risk, low um, high-reward type situations. They turned out to be low-risk, low-reward and that, that could very well be the case here, Ryan. I'm certainly not saying Cam Newton MVP. I'm not saying that now the Patriots are back uh, and Bill Belichick's going to make Tom Brady look like a clown. I, I'm not saying that, but why would you not do this if you were the oh, Patriots? Oh, that I, exi- that I completely agree with because they're, despite what a lot of people wanted to say about Jared Siddham, their quarterback situation was a joke before this. <laughs> so they could only help it from where it was. But again, I just don't think Cam Newton is that great anymore. I could see a scenario where Jared Sinop wins the job. Like, that's how low I am on Cam Newton. And I'm low on Jared Sinop. Whew, that would be bad if Cam doesn't even win the job. I do think he'll be the starting quarterback. And that'll be good news, potentially, for the Denver Broncos when they play Cam Newton week five, guys. Cam has struggled, to say the least against the Broncos in his career. Of course, everyone remembers Super Bowl 50, and Cam Newton was – that was his Super Bowl – or that was his MVP year, and the Broncos made him look like the quarterback that RK thinks he's going to be this season. They just absolutely made him look like a fool. Well, they played him two other times in his career, and Cam has lost both of those times. He has more picks than touchdowns in all of those games, and he has, I believe, six – sacks in those three Three games that's over five games per sack so I'll tell you who is happy about this that's one number 58 maybe soon number 40 Von Miller yeah so you know people everyone remembers Super Bowl 50 but they might have done more damage to Cam Newton uh in week one of the 2016 season in fact it was actually BS. And, you know, the funny thing here is I was actually a huge Cam guy before the Super Bowl. Uh, but being around him Super Bowl week and then after the Super Bowl and everything that's transpired since he really lost me, I just – I thought he was such a baby after that game, well, for lack of a better term. Well, he uh, was, and, Ryan. And honestly, leading up to the game, his his demeanor was so off-putting. Like, he he – it was like – it wasn't – I don't know. I can't even describe what he, what the way that he was trying to like act. It was this, it was just fake. It was fake confidence. And it really bugged me during the week. Um, and, and he, I thought he was real confident the whole season. And during the Super Bowl, I felt like he wasn't confident and he was trying to fake the confidence and it rubbed off on the whole team and fake confidence turned into no results and, and they got smacked. But then the next year, like the Broncos, were hunting Cam Newton in that game. And it was crazy that he didn't get any calls, especially when you look at, like, the call Mitch Trubisky got this year on roughing the passer. They were just, like, teeing off on Cam Newton on every play. 
and nothing was called. So I actually felt bad for him. And, and over time, Cam Newton's never got the same protection that other quarterbacks have gotten. This is a totally different rant. Um, but he's so big and strong, and, and he gets out of the pocket, and I feel like refs have never given him that type of respect. But anyways, that game was crazy. I mean, they were just leveling him that game. Yeah, and they were leveling him often with two or three guys bringing him down. And that's another thing with Cam Newton. And when you look at the fact that you have to talk about the injuries, you have to talk about the wear and tear. At 245 pounds, he's among the very biggest quarterbacks ever to play in the NFL. And because of that, it takes he's taking more force, more, more mass on him every time he's getting hit than most quarterbacks do because one guy, it's not just going to be one guy that brings him down. It's two or three. It, Demarius Thomas is kind of the wide receiver version of this, a bigger receiver who it takes multiple guys to bring him down. And then it's one of those things where instead of having 220 pounds of manpower bringing you down, it's 450 pounds and all that adds up. And I think with Cam Newton, that game, that week one game that you refer to RK, that is what encapsulates what he's had to deal with because he's taking shot after shot, and those shots are coming from two guys, three guys, to drag him down. And that's why the question now as to whether he's going to succeed with the Patriots depends entirely on his health. And guys, in, uh, in less surprising news, the Patriots cheated, were caught, uh, and uh, also got pretty significant penalties uh, put on them, what, three minutes after this Cam Cam Newton news broke? Huh. What a strange coincidence. (laughs) And it was Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter who broke it together. This sort of reminded me of how how, um, when Peyton announced he was going to retire, he did it through Chris Mortensen. So when when Mortensen is involved in a breaking story, it's usually – the source is typically someone who is of massive Mount Rushmore-like status for their, for their team. And so I suspect, guys, <laughs> that the leak on Cam Newton was none other than Bill Belichick himself. Genius, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give them this one. Uh, absolute genius. The amount, the, the ratio of tweets about Cam Newton to tweets about the Patriots getting caught cheating and punished for it has got to be like 10,000 to one. Yeah, uh, not even close. <laughs> it's absurd. And so to them, I tip my cap and I say, you, this is amazing. Now, again, I'm, I, I said, I am not convinced that he's going to be the starting quarterback. And in fact, I'm not even convinced that he's going to make the team. And... <laughs> Wow. If that happens, I am calling the most BS on this ever because I'm, I don't put it past the Patriots to simply sign Cam Newton to get everyone talking about it and not talking about the fact that they, got, they, that they cheated. And if that happens and, and they just picked him up for that, which I can really see as a real outcome, uh, I mean, they – like, I don't even know. Uh, I, I just – I think that's a legitimate reason why they signed Cam Newton. That might be the only reason. Oh, man. Well, they would have, they would have played us all like a fiddle if that is the case. Man, that would be something else. Ryan, I mean, so I, I need a take right now. 
what is Cam Newton going to do or not do this year? Is he going to be the starter? Is he going to be the backup? Is he going to throw more interceptions and touchdowns? Is he not even going to be on the team come week one? Well, what's, what's your guess right now? Because you've been saying a lot of juicy things, and, man, you made good arguments to it. But I want to know what do you think is going to happen? I will um, hedge a little bit here and just oh, say that he's ooh. not the starter. I'll just say that he's not the starter. It's in between him getting cut and him being good. I, I think that uh, – or should I say that he doesn't start more than half of their games. That puts me in a safe place. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair with also hedging. Um, and, and I – man, I do think he's going to be the starter. Um, and I think he's going to keep them relevant. How about that? So seven and nine to nine and seven is where I think the Patriots are. And that is a few games above where I thought they were going to be with Jarrett Stidham. Mace, what do you think? I think uh, you're going to put the over under on them right now at eight. And I'm going to have them coming in on the over just be just because that again, that D is really freaking good. And now if they can tailor an offense around what Cam Newton is, then I think they've got a chance to complement that defense with an offense that will at least be able to play keep away and control the clock and make sure that the defense isn't at a point in late November where they're saying we're gassed and we're not getting any help and ends up collapsing. I think they can manage to avoid that. Right now, though, I will say this. I think the Patriots, they can, they'll win nine games, which is going to make that week five game in Foxborough massive in terms of potential playoff implications because you want to have as many tiebreakers as you can accumulate. And that they finish in second place in the AFC East. The Patriots' run of AFC East titles is snap, which is what? It's uh, 11 in a row now, and the Buffalo Bills are your AFC East champions. Hey, how about that, man? I think that's something the entire NFL can get behind, except for uh, that <laughs> little bit in Foxborough. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I would say I'm glad they did it for the talking points, but it was such a gar- – I mean, the timing was so slimy that I'm not <laughs> – yeah. Oh. And, and, and let's talk about that because uh, Patriot, the, the Patriots love cams, uh, and <laughs> they, love, they love to cheat with them. Um, what, what is your guys' takeaway from that? You know, is it – is this proof that they straight up cheated? 100%. 100%. This wasn't just one penalty. No, it's over a million-dollar fine. It's a third-round pick, which in terms of punishments is significant. Uh, and now they can't have their film continue to their film crew continue to cheat this season. Uh, I, I think it's very significant. This is a significant fine that or penalty that just doesn't seem like anything now that they signed Cam Newton. Yeah, and I don't think they have this sort of penalty if it's just the innocent thing of, oh, we were doing a video on one of our scouts. I think this shows that there was underhanded intent. I think it was also interesting that they 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 punished the Patriots in-house video team video team as well. So their uh, in-house media is not going to be able to shoot video of any games next year, which for – teams and teams and their internal media 
that's a pretty that's a pretty massive penalty for 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 them as well. So I, it's I love how they're you know they 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 went out and they tried to claim innocence, claim that there was nothing to it, and uh, turned out that there was. But, you know, after what they've done over the last 13 years, going back to uh, videotaping signals for the J- against the Jets back in 07, they don't deserve any benefit of the doubt based on their history. No. And I think, they should have been, I think they should have been punished further. I, I, I saw a third-round pick. I'm like, that's it? Yeah. Not these so, guys a first-round pick. Yeah, that's, that's my takeaway. If you're taking away picks, it means that you believe you've proven them guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt. And if that's the case, the punishment should be way more heavy yeah. because you don't, you don't say like, well, they're kind of guilty. So we're giving them a, a third round pick or like, we're not totally sure. So we're going to go like, I mean, I, I realize this isn't the justice system. Um, this is the NFL, but like you either got to be innocent or guilty. You don't get to be somewhere in between kind of guilty. <laughs> and my th- that's, that's what I'm saying. If they are guilty of cheating again, <laughs> take away all their picks like shut them down death penalty to me this just says that they weren't able to find anything uh outside of this in terms of more games that they cheated in but come on guys if they're cheating against the Bengals, i believe at that time the winless Bengals. you, exactly. you got to imagine that they did it way uh in every single game and got a huge competitive advantage. So I, I'm totally okay with a much severe penalty. But uh, gosh, I, I, maybe I'm putting too much faith in the NFL by saying these penalties right here are just saying that they couldn't find any other game. But to me, it's pretty easy to connect the dots and say it was way more than just this game. I'll take a, a phrase out of the ladies' night playbook here. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Do not if you're assuming that they're just going to change all of a sudden, you are naive and idiotic. And that's what the NFL is doing right here. They say, oh, we'll just slap them on the wrist again, and they'll stop doing it. Like, they, they, they've been cheating. They got caught cheating. They got caught cheating again. They sent a guy to Denver. He got caught cheating. They, got, <laughs> they just got caught cheating. I mean, these, all these guys do is cheat. And so these, these weak slaps on the wrist are not going to stop them. You need to come down or, or you're complacent in all of this as well. It's institutional and it's cultural when it happens that often. And as we saw in Denver, when people leave New England and then do the same types of things when they move on elsewhere. And the only way you punish that is something harsh and severe. I mean, why can't you go to these guys and say, all right, for this year, you're not – you can't go to the playoffs. It's kind of like in college. You're not bowl eligible. You're not eligible for the NCAA tournament. And then next year in the draft, oh, by the way, you want to tank for Trevor? Eh-eh, eh-eh, no, no picks. Mm-hmm. You're out of the draft. I, I just – yeah, exa- that's exactly how – like, do you think yeah. Bill Belichick cares about this punishment? No. No. Not at all. <laughs> he is, the only thing that's happening today is he is yelling at someone – in that building because they let them get caught. And also, I realize that they're banned from it this year, which is a joke of a punishment anyway. But, like, why would any NFL team ever let anyone who is involved with the Patriots into their, into their stadium with a camera ever again? <laughs> like, like, you know, the team – the Broncos are in control of who is allowed to come into their stadium. And 
they have to credential these places. And for the rest of time, at least with, you know, the current leadership in place at the Patriots, if I'm the Broncos, I don't even care. No matter when you want to send cameras to our stadium, the answer is no, no matter what. <laughs> well, what's interesting, though, is the game that was in question, the, it was – it was Bengals at Browns, and they were shooting the Bengals sideline, but it was in Cleveland. So the request for the credential would have been made through the Browns, not the Bengals. So that, but again, too, that, but that, my, my point being, that too is part of their strategy because I imagine the Bengals would have said, you know, we're playing, you get, might have said, oh, we're playing you guys in a couple of weeks. No, but the Browns, but you go through the Browns. But uh, that's what I'm saying, though. If yeah. you're the Browns, you still, they're like, hey, can we send? No. No, no, never. <laughs> don't even think about it. Guys, I don't, uh, I don't even think Bill Belichick's yelling at anyone about this punishment today. I think he, he is so far beyond it doesn't he, because he doesn't think it's a big penalty at all. In fact, if the Patriots um, get a compensatory third-round pick this coming year for someone that plays well and leaves in free agency, which they're pretty good at doing, then the, the penalty is pretty much gone because then that third-round pick – uh, will be made made up with a compensatory third round pick. Uh, the one point one million dollar fine that is like fining me a penny compared to Robert Kraft. So that's absolutely nothing. And do you think Bill Belichick cares if his film crew gets to make cool little featured films uh, after games? No, he doesn't no. care about that. So um, while this is a significant penalty in uh, in terms of penalties that the NFL hands down, this is nothing to the Patriots. It's nothing. Yeah, yeah. the other thing is Bill Belichick's on his boat today probably. He's on board eight rings. He doesn't give a crap today. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and Roger Goodell's probably sitting right next to him. Well, apparently the driving force behind the punishment was Troy Vincent, not Roger Goodell. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me either. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, joke. (laughs) Gotta say, Ryan, I'm uh, I'm a little more skeptical of Cam now uh, after hearing your arguments. Good, 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 good. And also, don't be surprised that the Buccaneers get caught cheating this year too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was a spicy first segment. Uh, I need something to wash that down. A good thing that I've got a fridge full of Breckenridge. Just picked up a Mile High City 15 can pack. You love the 15 can pack, you know. It's like, uh, it's like when you get the the uh, the jar of toothpaste, and it's like 25% larger, and it really, you know, 25% goes a long way. Uh, and that's what these 15 can. That's what's great about these 15 can packs. You know, when you think you're done, you, know, you got three more. A Mile High City, super drinkable, really refreshing, great summer beer. Um, it's 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 sessionable without you know without being tasteless and i think that's what's great about the mile high city so head over to your local liquor store maybe it's davidson's uh and get yourself a 15 can pack of breck brews today and if you need to shave about 25 percent off family (laughs) jewels i got just the product for you guys manscape and their lawnmower 3.0 because the great thing about the lawnmower 3.0 is you don't have to worry how close you're getting to those family jewels and all those private parts down there because they have nick free technology advanced skin safe technology to keep you safe no matter where you are with your razor the led light to illuminate everything going on and a battery that'll last 90 minutes 
so that maybe it's a little more than 25% that you need to shave off. Maybe it's 250% that you need to shave off. Well, you'll have the power for it. And guys, might I recommend the Crop Reserver and the Crop Reviver. We had someone reach out to us on uh, Twitter this weekend and said, uh, the only problem with the Preserver and Reviver is I just, I just can't get enough. I can't get enough of this product, so make sure you get those. And if you get the Perfect Package 3.0, it comes with the Lawnmower 3.0, and it comes with both of those products, including a travel bag, disposable shaving mats, and the comfiest set of anti-chafing boxers you've ever worn. And guys, on top of all that, you know about the magical code DNVR20. Get you 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping, so check them out in Manscaped. All right, let's get into the questions from the listeners here. I, let's see if the vibe changes here. Maybe the listeners are on one today, too, and we can just keep the heat rolling. <laughs> first one coming in from Thick Fangio. He says, first off, let me just say, y'all killed that first segment. We need more roasting of the Raiders. I grew up <laughs> in an environment where eating steak with, with steak sauce means it wasn't cooked right, so I usually refrain from using it. But something I learned in Germany is that they use crow butter – did I get that? Kraut butter, which is some type of herb butter that straight up slaps. It's hard to come by in the U.S., even in German restaurants. But if you're a butter chef or if you're a better chef than me, I definitely recommend looking up recipes and whipping up some up the next time you have steak. Squirrel is delicious, but is basically just a tiny, tiny chicken wing. I think if you guys are sleeping on the best air food, bat soup oh my goodness Get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh no oh and then he says this is a question for zach is the code dnvr not magical anymore haven't heard you say it in a while is everything wow. okay at home Ooh. well thick i uh just said it in manscaped so i hope uh you and your family jewels are doing well because everything's good with me uh but i appreciate you checking in and he says thanks y'all and as always stay down with the sickness the sickness for the thickness okay unlike unlike cam newton the magic is back (laughs) (laughs) maybe gone for a week but it's back um okay real quick herb butter that is definitely a fantastic addition to uh steak um last time i cooked some steaks i whipped up my own little herb butter but i don't know about this crow crow crowder butter or cr- yeah. is it crowder or crater butter but literally the translation of that word is herb butter oh okay oh well there we so go just just say herb butter i mean I that's, it was, that's what it is i thought it was gonna be like sauerkraut butter which would be no. pretty darn good too that no, being no. said though just for me that's still not a sauce I need sauce with my food. Okay, what about Bernays? Yeah, Bernays, you yeah. sign me up. Or like, what's the one, uh, I don't it's, it's basically just like a gravy, but like with the mushrooms in the sauce, it's like a dark sauce. Mm, yep, I know what you're talking about. Yep. That's or good. we sometimes do this at home where we'll, we'll, we'll do like mushrooms in port wine and then cook them up and then you put the mushrooms and the and the and the port wine sauce on there after they've been cooking so obviously the alcohol has been burned off and that comes out really well and it doesn't overwhelm the flavor of the steak now that being said i usually give all the mushrooms to my wife because she likes mushrooms i can't stand them but i like the wine sauce part of it interesting there we go just sticking with the wine i like that nice yeah next one coming in from love thunder down under this is a quote from rk He says, I feel like pheasants are the flamingos of the West. (laughs) Uh, Put that on my my headstone. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I I feel like they are. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, Love Thunder Down Under, I guess, agrees with you. If you see them pictured, they're usually standing. That's my, that, that's my logic behind that. <laughs> <laughs> Sir James Radio says, SportsCenter recently posted a story on their Facebook page about a fan asking Juju Smith-Schuster to go to prom with him after he and his girlfriend recently broke up. Juju accepted and bought the two a pair of matching $10,000 suits. That got me thinking. If you were in the same situation, which former or current Broncos player would you like to accompany you to prom? I think I would go Shannon Sharp. Constant life of the party. And if anything were to get out of hand, I would feel safe knowing he had a direct line to call in the <laughs> National Guard. <laughs> oh, that's a great comment. Locula also chimes in and says, I'd have to go with Mark Sanchez. He was smoking hot. <laughs> Good looking he- man. Yeah, but he said some he, – he, he was kind of weird in his press conference. I don't know. I just if, – if, in this case, if you're talking about asking someone to go with you, don't you, you want someone that you're going to have an enjoyable evening with? Obviously, you're just going as friends and all that. I got to go Steve Atwater. No mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good one. Uh, I want a $10,000 suit too, so I'll go with the richest Bronco of all time. Uh, and I guess that would probably be Peyton Manning. Yeah, I, I was going to say Peyton as well, because if you're talking about a good time, I mean, I, I think he's going to provide you with one in well, a I know very he, PG he, way. And you, know he has, and you know he has a history of buying suits because of Jordan Taylor. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he buys suits for your friends. <laughs> From Love Thunder Down Under. Well, everyone, as we're deep in the offseason, I have an off-topic recommendation for you all and a themed question. Read or listen to the works of Nassim Taleb, Taleb, uh, Fooled by Randomness, The Black Swan, Anti-Fragile, and Skin in the Game. If you want to better understand probabilistic thinking and fat trails, and not the kind that get you in trouble with a significant other, this man is for you. Certainly has changed how I think about most things in life, let alone football. So, in the spirit of the author, I'll ask a themed question from a concept that he introduced me to, though not his own, it's Greek mythology. The Procrustean Bed. The TLDR for this fable is an innkeeper who cuts off the feet of his guests to make them fit in the bed. Or if they're too short for the bed, he stretches them so they fit just right. You can use it to describe plenty of situations where we attempt to force outcomes from variables or data that don't quite fit. Kind of like how the Patriots are trying to force Cam Newton into being a good quarterback. So for which current Broncos defensive player is Vic Fangio's scheme a Procrustean bed? Von Miller. That was one hell of a way to get to this. Von Miller. (laughs) Because Vic's trying to force him into being an every-down player. And when he's been at his best, he's been somebody who's played about 60 to 70% of the snaps, making sure he's out there for the high-leverage plays, kind of saving his energy and make sure he's at 100% when he is rushing the passer. Now, the thing is with Von Miller, if – he still is not all the way back in terms of respiratory stuff because he dealt with COVID-19. It's possible that proper use of Von Miller might be forced upon Vic Fangio. Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting look at it. Um, I'll go with Todd Davis. And I think it's because Vic Fangio is convinced that he can just make anything work um, with linebacker and it's kind of the same thing he's like oh i'll just 
cut his feet off and he fits in the bed. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think he, he thinks he can make anything work at linebacker in, instead of thinking I should get the perfect linebacker for what I'm trying to do. Um, so it's not necessarily a knock on Todd Davis as much as it is just I wish Vic Fangio would be more aggressive in trying to find the perfect fit rather than just thinking anything can fit with my defense. Yeah, and I think those are both two, two good um, uses of this. I'm going to go with two in the past just because they're the ones that are screaming to me. Chris Harris, now we know he wanted to play out there, then after the fact didn't want to play outside. Uh, but he just – he wasn't the perfect fit for this defense, as we found out. And also Shelby Harris. And he's on the team now, but he's not going to have this uh, procurian bed or, or whatever <laughs> it is. He, he's not going to have that this year because they tried to put a square uh, peg in a round hole with Shelby last year by putting him inside. That did not work. Then you see him go to the outside, which is where he'll be this year, and he flourished there. So uh, thank goodness you don't have to have that with him this year. Yeah, they quickly unmade that Procrustean bed after four games and uh, got Shelby Harris into something that was more comfortable for his – for his frame and physique man anytime there's crusty beds together it's not not the best thing and i love how he finishes too he says ironically me trying to force a procrustean question into football relevancy is pretty procrustean i've reached meta procrustianism and he says p.s this is important cannot get over the quality of the crop preserver in the manscape pack beat me the only problem with it is it doesn't come in a tub big enough for me to just straight teabag myself <laughs> into it each morning. PMI. Oh, <laughs> man. Too much quite, information. Oh, that was quite the visual. Oh, oh man. I, just thinking about that. Wow. All I can say is he's completely right. And, I, and I'll add this. If you are a golfer, this might be the most important club in your bag. You're going to be out there in the heat for four hours. You absolutely need this. Do you, Brian, my only question is, I know you're playing a few rounds of golf this week. Do you have enough so that you can just soak them in it? Yes, I have been preserving my preserver. <laughs> you might say. Oh, man, great comment, Love Thunder Down Under. Oh, wow. <laughs> C. Fillmore 72 says, Dear Mighty Three, greetings from the UK. Haven't posted in a while was catching up on the pods while working in the garden this weekend and really enjoyed Wednesday's pod on sports sporting rivalries. I like Mace's idea for making the 17th game a local rivals game where local rivals are not already in your division. Local rivalries are very common in British football, cricket, and rugby and loved by the fans, but some of the NFL's divisions are geographically far flung. The Colts are in a state that borders the Great Lakes, yet a South division. The Cowboys are one of the furthest South teams, yet in an East division. So why not go a step further and realign the league to set up local rivalries and bragging rights within divisions, using the 17th game for historic non-local rivalries like Cowboys-Redskins. So something like this. AFC North, Great Lakes East. Bills, Bengals, Browns, Lions, AFC East, East Coast, Jaguars, Patriots, Giants, Jets, AFC South, Panthers, Dolphins, Titans, Bucks, AFC West, Cardinals, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, NFC North, uh, Bears, Packers, Colts, Vikings, NFC East, Ravens, Eagles, Steelers, Redskins, NFC South, Falcons, Cowboys, Texans, Saints, and NFC West, 49ers, Chargers, Rams, and Seahawks. Appreciate this is a long comment. So pick from it what you will. Thanks as always and for the entertainment 
and informed discussions. Great to be a part of the worldwide DNV Army community. Christopher. I like the Great Lakes East Division because I like having Buffalo with those teams right there around Lake Erie. I, if I'm the Jaguars, I hate this. Well, see, I Patriots, was say my Giants, big, Jets. <laughs> my biggest problem with this is that the Patriots once again get a soft as hell division. <laughs> I realize the Giants and Jets have history, but yeah. and even the Jags a little bit. But uh, right now, at least, that would be another joke for them. Yeah, I, and I think um, even though it's someone's not going to be happy, if you had to have a Florida team with New England. My and the New York teams, it's got to be Miami in terms of because Miami, in a lot of ways, Miami and Fort Lauderdale are the extreme southern suburb of New York. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would like that. And so that what, makes cultural sense. <laughs> what would you guys think about the uh, in the AFC West straighten out the Chargers for the Cardinals? I like it. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with that. And then in this proposal, the non-division rival for the Broncos, uh, you could you could go with the Chargers if you want to have them, or you could go with the Seahawks. I mean, personally, I'd prefer the Seahawks. I would like to have Seattle back on Denver's schedule, but either way, you could do you could do fine with it. Yeah, it. it uh, I like that you at least keep the Chiefs and the Raiders as division rivals. Next one here from the Big Tabowski. He says, right, okay, this is going to be a weird post for me and for Ryan if he's there on Monday. RK, I know we've only butted head once before on Twitter about Marshawn Lynch's return. Yeah, that was me, but I'm going to have to do it again. See, this is a, Marshawn Lynch's return is like the same sort of thing that I'm going through today. Everyone was just like, oh, yeah, Marshawn Lynch, he's back, he's great. I'm like he's averaging like 2.3 yards per carry. I realize he has like three touchdowns from the one-yard line, but come on. Um he says, you say there's no sauce to go with steak? What? Have you ever had peppercorn sauce, red wine sauce, blue cheese sauce, mustard sauce, mushroom sauce, teriyaki sauce, black bean sauce? There's literally, not literally, a limitless um, end to sauces that go with steak. He's actually right. I wasn't – so I wasn't thinking along the lines of sauces that you cook, if you know what I mean. Like, usually if you're doing it right with any of these sauces that he's mentioning – you make this sauce while you're making the steak and then you put it over the steak. I was kind of thinking more along the lines of like, you just go to the store and buy a sauce and a one is there, but it's just like, it's not great. Like it's, it's fine. But I, I just feel like, you know, you don't just go to the store and buy a nice sauce to go with your steak that night, which you can do with lots of other things. Maybe you should try, if you ever get to Yorkshire in England, you should try it. Henderson's relish it's also been sold something similar as Yorkshire relish my grandmother from England used to bring over bottles when she came to visit from the from England she'd come to the U.S. and visit my family for like three or four months a year and that to this day is the only steak sauce I really want to use is Henderson's relish or Yorkshire relish what is it it's Basically, it's, it's, it's a brown sauce, but it's got kind of some fruity notes to it. So is it like relish at all? Well, it's not like relish is like pickle relish, no. So there's no like little chunks of things in it? No, it's smooth. It's, a, it's got a little bit of spice and a little bit of a fruity quality to it. It's made of water, sugar, spirit vinegar with some spices and coloring. It is gluten-free, suitable for vegans, and approved by the Vegetarian Society. This is straight off the Wikipedia page. So wow. 
so I, sweet. So this is what I'm just learning. I'm just learning the definition of relish. Don't look it up. What is the definition of relish, do you think, Zach? I'm going to guess um, a, a sauce consisting of multiple parts. Close. Well, if we're talking about relish the noun or relish the verb. Well, we're not talking about enjoying something. <laughs> yes. So well, but, but maybe is the, ver the verb version, you kind of, it's something you enjoy. So is it, is it supposed to be some kind of add-on to the food that causes you to enjoy it more? Yeah, it's very, I mean, kind of, it's very simple, the, the definition. I really thought relish was based off of, like, chopped pickles. Me too. And it just says, a condiment eaten with plain food to add flavor. Wow. So you could call salsa relish if you want. Uh, you could call hot sauce relish. You can call mustard relish. Wow, so you could, you could mess with someone and, and say, hey, can you, can you pass me the relish? And they give you the green stuff. You're like, no, 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 the other relish. And they're like, what are you talking about? And you're like, the, the yellow relish right there. Yeah, can you pass me all the relishes? <laughs> <laughs> can you relish me the relishes? Oh, man. I, I relish this discussion, quite yes, frankly. Exactly. When I can bring up my favorite steak sauce in the entire world. And there, there's actually, I just looked up a home recipe to make Yorkshire relish. So I may have to... Uh, get in the kitchen here in the next month or so and make some it's just sauce how weird okay he says now then and this is the tricky bit i've been vegan for over 10 years now so a little weird for me to suggest these but i'm not one of those vegans who judges others for their choices unless you fire shots first then i'll take it to 11 and bury you for it again not literally but hopefully <laughs> i can help you enjoy your steak a little more give them a try and i'll even fire some recipes over to you if you want on the meat front for everyone else and this is as stereotypical vegan as I get. I'd urge you to try and eat wild animals that haven't been farmed. Much more flavor for you lovely meat eaters to enjoy. So pheasant was a great shout. And yes, they can most definitely fly. Wish they do it more rather than run out in front of your car just before you reach them. Classic <laughs> flamingo behavior. Peace out and love oh to gosh. all. The big T. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you got us definitely down a great conversation. Uh, hold there, the, the big Tabowski. All right, Mace. There is a restaurant, by the way. I think it's up in Avon. Um, I, the name of it escapes me. But a lot of their menu is wild game. Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple of those in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, so They're all really good. Yeah, I, I went there like eight years ago. It was terrific. But for the life of me, I can't remember what I had. Like Count Locula. If I had my druthers, the NFL owners would not take any more of our money via jersey sales. But Vaughn switching to number 40 would be legendary. And, yes, I'd buy one. Love the count mm, another this might have been a first segment topic if it weren't for the patriots um where are you at on this zach i i would prefer 58 i think he's that that's just who he is as a denver bronco and man it would have been cool to see him wear 40 throughout his whole career but that's that's not the case uh you know he he's worn 58 that's what won him a Super Bowl. I understand Kobe changed jerseys, but man, I think 58 is a better number than 42, especially on a pass rusher. So I think everything points to Vaughn. Just stick with 58. Yeah, I, I think he doesn't change numbers now unless he changes teams. And obviously we don't want to see that, even though that may happen at some point. The other thing is when we've talked about retiring jersey numbers, 
if you follow the standard that I think the Broncos should take and say everybody that is a first ballot Hall of Fame inductee as a Bronco gets their jersey retired, well, if he changes to 40, which one do you retire? I would assume 58 because he's played, he's played more of his career in that. But I'd just as soon leave that gray area out of the discussion. He's made his name in 58 as a Bronco. And like you said, Zach, it's a great pass rusher number. It's Derek Thomas's number. So just ride it at this point. Yeah, I agree. Ryan, do you want him to change to 40? I have lots of takes on this. One, I think Vaughn was just kind of stoking conversation on his Twitter page, wanted some interaction. Uh, two, I would uh, – when Vaughn Miller was drafted, if you said you have an option between 40 and 58, I would have said he should go with 40. Uh I think Vaughn made 58 cool. I realize uh, it was Derek Thomas, right, who wore 58, Mace? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Correct. Uh, and, okay. and that was cool, too. But, like, you never would have thought of 58 as a dope number before of a Devon. At least I wouldn't have. So, I think he owns 58 in a way uh, that makes it super cool. 40 doesn't really feel like it fits him to me anymore. All that aside, I think Vaughn could use some change in his life. Uh, a fresh start, a clean slate. You know, I feel like maybe he feels like, uh, or maybe not consciously, but maybe there's like this pressure that comes with 58 and being a certain Vaughn that I don't know if he uh, is anymore. And I, I wonder if 40 could just be like, you know, the last, they give him a little surge, uh, make him feel young again, make him feel like he's back to his college days. So I, I'm not completely against it, but from a just pure aesthetic standpoint i think he owns the hell out of 58 makes 58 look really cool and and with that just thinking in that way i i'm down with 58 and and here's another example of how he made it cool look at the fact that shaq barrett goes on to tampa bay and goes from 48 to 58 yeah and then has the big gear that's part of von miller's legacy that shaq went down there wanted to wear von miller's number and had the greatest pass rushing season in the history of Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which that's a franchise that they haven't done a lot right, but they've been a pretty good defensive franchise over the decades. So that says a lot that he had the best pass rushing season in the history of that team. And he did it with Von Miller's number. That's part, that's part of the Elon of 58 at this point. I think Von should just stick with it. Right. It's like a, it's almost like a coaching tree. Everyone who wears 58 from here on out uh, is going to be under Von's little umbrella. Yeah, but but what if Vaughn really wants to show that he has power, and maybe some other guys are wearing fifty-eight around the league because of him? He changes to forty, and Shaq and anyone else wearing fifty-eight because of Vaughn also changes to forty. Then maybe the year after that, Vaughn changes to I don't know fifty-two, and all those guys change. It'd be like it'd be like the little ducklings following their mother. No, they'd all be like whiskey tango foxtrot Vaughn because every time I change my number I've got to buy back all these unsold jerseys here this is getting expensive stop changing your damn number that's Wait, what so they say what, the players have to buy back jerseys that aren't sold they have that's part of they basically have to pay the pay out an amount that uh, covers the unsold inventory on the jersey if they're changing numbers while they're with that team now if they change teams that that's out of the that's out of the equation wow wow that's brutal yeah it is it is pretty brutal uh and speaking of brutal yesterday i'm getting ready for our wgt tournament dnvr1 versus dnvr2 the in-house battle and i look up the course 
and I think I've got the course right. So I go and play a little practice round. That's you know, it's just part of my my uh, free shot routine, you might say. And I play a practice round. I, I understand all the little nuances of the course. I'm feeling great. Then I start the tournament, and it's the wrong course. <laughs> and there's once you've started, there's no going back. So I end up just hitting one in the water and this, that, the other. And it, it was a brutal showing for me out there. But I, I have, I've yet to hear the results on the tournament. Hopefully DNVR1 was able to uh, sustain despite my struggles uh, and win that. And, and if you want to get in on these fun tournaments, you got to go to dnvrgolf.com, download World Golf Tour from that link. It'll show them that you're part of the DNVR family. Then when you get in there, uh, sorry, DNVR one's full of the cool kids table per se, but you can still go to the second cool kids table and join the DNVR two clubhouse. I'm joking. There's really no difference between the two things. We're all one big family, uh, but it is fun to compete against each other once in a while. So there you go. Head over to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT. It's the most realistic golf game on your phone. And it's really, really fun. Whether you're playing golf on the course, whether you're playing WGT golf, whether you're drinking Breck brews or manscaping yourself, or maybe someone else, who knows, what you need is clean teeth regardless of the activity. And Green Mountain Dental and Lakewood can hook you up. Guys, they're the best damn family-owned dentistry in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. And guys, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right. All you have to do is take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. So check them out. They're a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver, and they are DNVR. Uh, they're part of the DNVR family, so make sure to support them and make sure to schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam and get that free Sonicare toothbrush at Green Mountain Dental. All right, moving on here. Next one's from Vic Fangio's sweater. He says, as a first subject, or first section topic, I would love to hear the three of you discuss what would be uh, the inter, what would be the international games versus international franchise versus a development league, et cetera, starting NFL Europe again as a developmental league. Question for today: With Patton Oswalt as the lead, who would be playing RK and Zach in '75? The Andrew Mason story. <laughs> Um, I, I would probably think, uh, a, uh, a Brad Pitt would probably pay, play me. Yeah. See, that's what I was thinking for me. <laughs> um, we'll just have to let the casters decide which role <laughs> they're fit for. Aren't, aren't I, there some this... like 30, some 30 something or 20 something actors that could play you guys? Isn't Brad Pitt 50 now? Yeah, but. He just gets better with age. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd be okay with him. <laughs> um, yeah, other, other actors that could probably play me, uh, Channing Tatum, oh. uh, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> okay. um, who else do we have here? Ryan Reynolds? Uh, yeah, that, yep, that's a good one for me. I, I like that idea, Ryan. Those are all good ones for me. Yeah. I agree with you. Zach, how do you feel about Tom Cruise playing Zach? Oh, yeah, would love that too. Would love okay. that too. I, 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 as an actor. Yeah, I think that works. Oh, you yeah. separate okay. the, the, yeah, you separate the art from the artist 100%. I could see. Yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, Tom, they'd have to they'd have to make him up a little bit because again, Tom Cruise, uh, believe it or not, the the guy's starting to push 60 here in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Okay, I, I believe Tom Cruise is more than twice your age, Zach. Yep, probably. I think he'd play me very well. 
I, he's I over the age of 46. <laughs> or sorry, 56. Or close to yeah, 57. Okay, I, I love it. I love it. So I'm, I'm taking the young and handsome and daredevil Tom Cruise to play myself. Probably similar stature as well. Oh, I yeah, <laughs> that's where I got. I was like, oh, you know, dark hair, fits the size. I, I actually do, think he's uh, smaller than you. Yeah, I, I think he is. I actually uh, have dressed up as him once or twice for like I, Halloween. So doesn't surprise me at all. Hmm. Uh, I bet you pull off a really great... Um, uh, Top Gun. I'm blanking on the, his name. Ma- Maverick. Yeah, Pete Maverick. Mitchell. Um, I got a photo of me wearing a little Maverick suit. We'll see how it compares. Do, 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 so do, 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 I'm Tom Cruise, do, do. or Tom Cruise is me. Ryan, who is you? Uh, you got to pick know, one of those names. I don't know. What about Mike Mark Wahlberg? Although he is he's older too. Yeah, I'd be down with that as well. I mean, I guess I go Gosling because he has the hair, <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the first name. Yeah, but he's just not – he doesn't really fit my body build. Brad Pitt's more along those lines. <laughs> so let's say if it's Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, we have actors who are 56 and 57 years old <laughs> playing you guys. <laughs> yeah, they, say, they always say the camera takes off 28 years. Obviously. Oh my. I mean, but if we're going to do that, then – do we have to go find some septuagenarian actor to play me here? I mean, can't be Pat Noswalt. <laughs> septuagenarian. Wow. I don't know. I, I've never heard that word before. I can only uh, assume it means like oh. dead. Or octogenarian. Hey, let's, let's go put a few pounds on Dustin Hoffman and have him play Mace. I mean, <laughs> that's where we're headed with this. <laughs> this sounds like a great movie. All I know is the cast is star-studded. Maybe they just play older versions of us. We just do like, if we're still doing oh, this in the future. Yeah, we're, do, we're still doing this in 20 years. Right. Okay. You know, let's, let's think positive here. I like it. Next. Next yeah. one's from Dan Burke. What do y'all make of Cam going to the past? Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about that yet. Uh, <laughs> he says, I'm the rare Broncos fan who loves Cam, and I'm rooting for him to go 15-1 and one next year and win comeback player of the year. Although, going from C-Mac, DJ Moore, and Greg Olson to Sony, Michelle, Nikhil Harry, and Matt Lacoste, those rookies aren't going to do him any favors. Uh, I think one of y'all, maybe Zach, had the paths game down as a win are you prepared to swing it in the other way or is that something you'll revisit once we've seen cam in action at the start of the season well we might never see that according to me uh i find it interesting that he's perceived a locker room problem but several of his old panthers teammates ran to congratulate him the second the news broke last night people really tell on themselves yeah there are a lot of issues with cam newton the locker room that was never an issue not once during his time in carolina and i know what you're saying there dan but I think the reason that he gets that rap is because he's such, for lack of a better term, a bag when he's with the media. Like, he just doesn't seem like a good guy. And, and I know people who have covered the Panthers who feel that way too. It's just like he doesn't present himself in a way that would make people want to say he's a good locker room player. With that being said, you don't really hear people complain about him except for maybe like Kelvin Benjamin, who he had plenty of his own issues anyway. Um so that was one thing I never said. You never heard me say that he's a locker room problem. I just – I don't think he's a great player. So, guys, we all had that week five game down as a win when we locked our picks in for the season right after the schedule came out. Do you want to change it? 
I'll change it to a stat patter for Bradley Chubb and Von Miller bigger win. I'm going to keep it as a win right now. I'm keeping it as a win. I'm, I'm down that road. That being said, that's a game I thought the Broncos might win, you know, by, by seven to 10 points. I thought they might, there was a chance it could be comfortable. Now I think it's one of those games that becomes a toss up, but Hey, let's think positively here. It's a chance for Drew Locke to lead a game winning drive under pressure against a great defense. There you go. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, from Broncos Sooners, NY Rangers. Hey, guys, hope you had a great weekend. And I want to say happy late birthday to John Elway, the guy who made me and many other people Broncos fans. I'm not a Twitter debater, but I was trying to talk some sense into a Chiefs fan who was saying that Elway was not a top 10 quarterback when he played. Don't, don't deal with these people. This guy had the audacity to claim that Elway was not only not a top 10 quarterback ever, but he wasn't even top 10 in his era. Absurd. Anyway, my question today is, what is your perfect sandwich? Have a great day, y'all. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't engage people like that. There's just certain people that you just don't – once they say something stupid enough, just leave. Just save yourself the anger. Okay, perfect sandwich. I mean, there's so many options. All, I'm of the belief that all sandwiches are perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, though, that the perfect sandwich is a Philly cheesesteak from Jim's. Uh, in Philadelphia. Mm, yeah, that sounds that sounds good. A perfect sandwich has to be warm. Has to be warm in, in some way oh, or the other. Hundred um, percent. Got to have a little toasted bun in, in some way or the other. It's got to have uh, some some pepperoncinis or uh, pepperoncinis. I don't remember how how people pronounce them. Um, got to have some some good hot sauce, some onions, some Swiss cheese, um, and then anything else you want to add just a, a topping to that oh some the, avocado oh yeah the, the perfect sandwich it can be anything right now the perfect sandwich that i'm craving is two slices of white bread some Duke's oh, mayonnaise and a slice <laughs> and, a, and a, sli- a huge slice of beef take beef steak or hanover tomatoes <laughs> i love sandwiches so much that one might oh. be the only sandwich that isn't perfect hey guys <laughs> hate to do this i gotta run I, was, I, I wanted to make sure I got on here with you guys today. I thought we had a really fun first segment, great discussion. And, uh, man, I can't wait for the NFL season to see who ends up being right. I mean, I feel like I have a lot of skin in the game this NFL season, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of takes on the table. So uh, I can't wait to see what happens. And uh, I had fun with you guys today. A lot of pizzas on the line for you. Yeah, pizzas all over the place. <laughs> all right. See you, RK. Later, guys. Later. We'll talk see to you ya. soon. All right, Mace, next one coming in from the other Ryan. I mean, we go from one Ryan to another Ryan. He says, my boys, I feel honored to have inspired some of your Fired Up Friday uh, talk when I tweeted you about the CBS Sports story of top NFL off-seasons. That was a great podcast, RK and Zach. I have a, a poopery of thoughts today from one of last week's podcasts. I actually bought a 2011 AFC West Champions hoodie solely because of how quirky that season was. I also passed the bar exam that October, so I felt like I needed something else to mark that personal victory. That may be the only team I ever buy a division championship garb of any kind. Randall Cunningham was not only an incredibly gifted quarterback, but as Mace mentioned, he could punt. His 91-yard punt in the swirling winds of the Meadowlands was a thing of beauty, as was his 95-yard touchdown pass at Buffalo. 
Do any of you remember the 1997 Broncos Week 5 game in Atlanta when Jason Elam was lost for the remainder of that game after he, after he suffered a strained hip flexor following an extra point that put Denver up 7-0? The Broncos decided to go for two on their next three touchdowns and converted two of them rather than have punter Tom Ruin attempt extra points. The Broncos successfully converted their only forward, fourth down attempt that game as well. And last week... I finally discovered how to warm up Alfredo sauce without the oil separated and making it unpalatable. You have to add a splash of milk to the leftover sauce, simmer it on low over the stovetop when warming it, and voila! Have a great week. DNV Army, salute. Add, add some milk, add some, uh, uh, not to that, but sometimes if you've got like cheese sauces, you want to add some cheese, like with my daughter, for example, on macaroni and cheese to make the leftovers palatable. We add a splash of milk and a splash more cheese and then stir it up because something happens to the sauce when you're going back for a second time sometime and it's going to be a little bit off. So adding more dairy never hurts. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Unless you're vegan. That, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that 97 game. That, that's some, that is a game I remember from a distance uh, watching and hearing about when Jason Elam was was hurt and they decided to keep going for two. There was another game uh, in, in 2006 where Jason and, and Jason pulled his hamstring on a fake field goal. The play was called Rainbow Right, referring to the fact that Jason Elam went to the University of Hawaii, uh, the Rainbow Warriors, and then ran to the right. And he got he he was able to get the first down but uh end up pulling his hammy and he was able to kick after that but he lost some of his distance uh pretty, pretty much the rest of the season after that so ah kicker injuries man <laughs> it's i mean it's pretty incredible we don't see him more often <laughs> i think and man what type of drama that would create oh yeah true champ fan 24 my boys I've been wanting to say this for a while, and I still feel like I'm not going to get to the point I'm trying to make very well. Both Zach and RK have, on multiple occasions, stated that Vaughn has not really lived up to his contract for various reasons, one of them being that he has won no, that he has no, not won Defensive Player of the Year. Over the course of the last year, you both have stated that national media does not like Denver, and they seem to disrespect the organization with their lack of inclusion in the Hall of Fame, various BS lists, and lack of knowledge of the roster and system. This would bring me to, to why I think you need to back off Vaughn a little bit on the lack of DPOY, as I do not believe it is his fault. Vaughn not having won DPOY is the same reason Russ Wilson hasn't ever received an MVP. Ignorance from the nation's talking heads, as Mace would put it. You can give me injury crap with J.J. Watt and say, well, say, well, if he stayed healthy all you want. But the fact of the matter is he hasn't stayed healthy. Vaughn Mack is overrated to me. He is no better than Vaughn on any level. Now, I'm not saying either of you are Vaughn haters. I know you've stressed that. I do think you need to be back off the take of him not being quite worth his contract. I will agree with some of the criticisms y'all have, and I share some of them as well. Vaughn feeds this year. I put good money on it. Love y'all. Well, um, coming right after me, and I appreciate that because it's a good conversation. But, no, I at least I've never said that Vaughn has to win Defensive Player of the Year in order for that contract to be worth it. What I have said is he should be in defensive player 
of the year conversation every single year. That's why you made him the highest paid defensive player in the history of the game. And why he was that for like two years after, because you paid him so much money with that contract. So he had to be in that discussion. Maybe in, since there's been four years, I would give him a pass if he wasn't in that conversation one year. But he's got to be in the conversation the other three years and really honestly should win it one of those years. But I don't, I, I don't say those things about Vaughn not living up to his contract because he hasn't won Defensive Player of the Year. But Mace, he's never been in the conversation of Defensive Player of the Year one year since he got that new contract. And if you take a step back and look at what he's done these past four years, it's been underwhelming. It's been very underwhelming, in fact. Macy's averaged 11 and a half sacks per season since he signed that deal. That's not what you paid him $20 million to do. The kind of the rule of thumb is for a pass rusher, you pay him 11 or you pay them $1 million per sack. Now, obviously, when you paid Von Miller $20 million per year, you, you weren't expecting him to get 20 sacks per season. But that's, you know, kind of what you were hoping for, that he would do maybe at least one year, be back to that 18 and a half sacks that, that he was his second year in the league. 11 and a half sacks is, frankly, very underwhelming. And it's not like he's been the only talent on the defense, so uh, everything's been put on him. No, they gave him Bradley Chubb. Uh, two years ago to, to help. They gave him Vic Fangio last year to help. He's been around very talented defenses with good secondaries. So, uh, and I know stats aren't the only way to measure uh, players' success. It's just an easy number to look to. But at the end of the day, sacks is, is bringing the quarterback down. That's a very impactful play. 11 and a half per year is, is not nearly enough for that big contract. Okay. Reggie White, back in 1993, got a massive contract in free agency. It was the first year of free agency as we know it. Got the contract that made him the highest paid defensive end in football. Do you know what Reggie White averaged in terms of sacks per season the next four years? What? 10.4. It's underwhelming. Yeah, but Green Bay won a Super Bowl and went to the playoffs all four times. So no one thought, no one said, oh, that's underwhelming. Now you look back on it and realize, oh, yeah, it was because Brett Favre was becoming a truly great quarterback. And because of that, maybe people didn't pay attention to the fact that Reggie White's sack production in Green Bay did not match what it was in Philadelphia, which got him that, ma that massive contract. In fact, it wasn't until Reggie White's sixth and final season as a Packer that he that he got to the point where he was averaging a sack a game for a season. So part of my, my point is that when you give a contract like this, I know that your expectation may be, may, may be a certain level, but you also have to kind of accept that with sacks in particular, and sacks are the driving force of a contract for a pass rusher, they're going to come in bunches. There, other things are going to set them up. They may not – they may not be what you may want. And so with Von Miller, I get the frustration with his contract, but at the same time, you also got Von Miller at below market rate for really four of those first five seasons. I think the only season in which he was at market rate on that rookie contract was back in 2013. Every other year he played well above his contract. So 
I, I'm, I'm not as bothered by it. I know it frustrates some people, but I'm not bothered when I look at Von Miller's contract and say, well, he only had, he, he's only averaged 11 sacks per season over the four years of that contract. Cause I'm seeing it over in the big picture of what you paid Von Miller for nine seasons. No, no, you, you, you can't do that. If you want to be a good, if you want to be a good winning team, you can't pay for what they've done for you. You have to look ahead and say, what can they do for me? And, um, you know, whatever you think of the Patriots move of Cam Newton, one thing that they do great is they don't pay for what people have done for them. They pay for what they can do for them. And that's just how you go. You, you can't play with emotions when you're handing out $100 million contracts. So are you saying the Broncos shouldn't have re-signed Vaughn Miller? If they – I mean, it, it's, it's really tough because you always knew that they were going to. They weren't going to let him walk. But – now looking back at it, because yeah, I, I, I was I was open for the Broncos exploring ways to trade him and get massive value back. But it, it, since that was four years ago, I guess five years, no, four years ago, um, looking back is what we can do. And he hasn't lived up to the contract. He, he, he hasn't. And did he have a Brett Favre on the offensive side of the ball to help him out there like, like Reggie White did? No, of, cor- of course he didn't. And that was a big issue with the Broncos. But the Broncos set themselves up to be led by Von Miller and the defense the past four years. And clearly, um, that, that's not Von's fault necessarily, um, but he hasn't lived up to it. And the Broncos' formula clearly didn't live up to it. The formula clearly didn't live up to it. But at the same time, if you gave – I mean, I, I make the Reggie White comparison because I say this. If you'd given, if you'd given the Broncos a better situation at quarterback, I don't know if we'd be having this discussion because I think – Unfortunately, some of what Von Miller has done has been affected by the lack of offense, has been affected by playing from behind more often. Oh, boy. But you're paying a guy, you're making him the highest paid defensive player in the game, not because he needs a good offense to complement himself. In fact, in 2015, his best season as a, as a pro, uh, taking the, the playoffs and putting that in there, uh, they didn't have a competent offense. They did not have an offense that was giving him 10 14-point leads every game where then he got to uh, tee off and go after the quarterback. No, he was disruptful, and that's what you needed. That's what you were paying Von Miller to be. Disruptful. You came up with a new word on me here, disruptful. <laughs> that's what they needed him to be, Mace. <laughs> yeah. And, and, look, I get the frustration because his cap number this year is second highest among linebackers in the game. Only Cleo Mack has a higher cap number, $26.6 million. Vaughn is at $25.625. So I, I understand the frustration. But I think you just have to look at, look at the bigger picture and say, okay, it was, the cost of, it was the cost of doing business to keep Vaughn Miller at the time. Now, I think the reasons, the reasons why the Broncos have been less than stellar over the last four years, if you're making that list, Vaughn Miller – maybe not performing to what you wanted, wanted him to on that contract. That is so that is well down the list because he's still a guy who's averaged 11 sacks per game. His second highest single season sack total came in 2018 when he had 14 and a half sacks. And he's been an all pro and a pro bowler over the last four years. Not, not all pro every year, but he's been a pro bowler every one of those years. The name name helps with that a lot. The name got him there last year. Yep. 
but the play got him there the previous three years. The, uh, the only, 2017, the only, 10 sacks isn't necessarily a sure-in pro bowler. Not shoe-in, but sometimes it'll get you in, sometimes it doesn't, and he's still getting, and he was still generating pressures, and he was still generating quarterback hits. Well, and again, I'm not making a guy the highest-paid player on the defensive side of the ball to be a pro bowler half the time. Or, or to be a Pro Bowl caliber player half the time. No, you, you need no, to be. No, he's more than half. He, he, he's, you're, saying that, you're saying that 2017 he wasn't a Pro Bowl or cal, caliber player. I, I think he was. I mean, 10 sacks. That, that, that's, that's borderline. I mean, that, that, you're, you're not a shoe-in for the Pro Bowl with 10 sacks. You're not a shoe-in, but he got in. And he had the – and also tackled But he got in because of his name. I mean, it's – the Pro Bowl is such a bad thing. He also to look had at. more TFLs that year than any season since 2012 for him. It's not just about the pass rush either. It's about it's about being disruptful, Mace. It's about it's about disruptful. There's that word again. Exactly. I, I'm I'm terming it. It's about being that uh, Von Miller um, is a very very good player. You paid him to be elite, and I think even he would admit he hasn't been elite. Uh, since 2015. And when I say elite, yes, defensive player of the year conversation every single year. And, and you paid him pennies on the dollar for the first five years of, mm. of, his, of his time here. I don't like taking that approach. It's not a, it's not a winning way of paying for what do you've you, done. Do you want to be a team that gets great years out of guys and then says, and, and then says, see you later? I mean, even, yeah. I mean, I, you, I don't. Would you, I don't and, would you have won, and, and by the way, we talk about those eleven sacks per season. If he's not with the team the last four years, where are they coming from? Does it matter? They haven't made the playoffs. I think the worst place to be is uh, is mediocre, but not terrible and not great. I think that's the worst place to be in sports is mediocre. The worst it's place seven and nine, unless the wor- no, the, where the, worst, the Broncos were. The worst place to be in sports is putting up. A, a string of losing seasons like the Bucks had from 83 to 96 when they had 14 losing seasons in a row. And very few of them were mediocre. Most of them were outright bad. That is the worst place to be. Well, you're giving yourself a chance at least to get a generational player and, uh, and to, to help turn the franchise around. Now, if the organization is going to take that and run with that and actually turn the franchise around, well, that that's on them. But if you're sitting at seven and nine and, and you're getting uh you know, good inside linebackers in the first round because you missed out on great quarterbacks every single year because you were just too good uh, to, to, to miss out on those guys, then it's going to be tough to turn your franchise around. Well, if the draft, were, if, if draft position were a guarantee of success, the Cleveland Browns would have won a lot more games over the years. There's no doubt. And I'm not saying that you're instantly going to turn around, but that's, you're closer to getting a guy that will help you turn around. Don't you think a team that has uh, the number one overall pick next year and can get Trevor Lawrence is probably in a better situation than the team with the sixth overall pick that gets in a good this, offensive lineman? In this particular year, yes, but this is also a generational quarterback. Probably the, the first really generational quarterback that we've seen since Andrew Luck. Well, but you were just saying with the Bucks, they were they had a you know close to a top yeah. pick or the top pick for so many years, um, and they so could, yeah. they, they they probably could have had a shot at a generational quarterback if they were there. They for, thought you know, well, seven they or ten thought, years. They thought they had well. 
some of it was their own doing because they had Steve Young on their team and they let him go because they thought they had the generational quarterback in Vinny Testaverde. And it turned out that he was a pretty good quarterback eventually, but it didn't work out in Tampa. So again, no, you know, it's no, no guarantees, but I just, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't, if I'm building an organization, obviously we're not going to keep everybody, but I don't want to be that organization that when they get the first contract plus the fifth year option of great play out of a, out of a guy, they then say, okay, see ya even. And then they watch as not okay. His seasons aren't defensive MVP caliber, but they are among the best at his position over that time that to me, that just, that seems to be a foolish way of, go, of going about business. And I think if we're talking about the Patriots, I think the Patriots, if they'd been in the same situation would have re-signed Von Miller. And I think they would have been pretty happy with getting 11 sacks a year from their premium edge rush. I don't know. I guess you have to look at the Patriots and what they did with Chandler Jones. They, they traded him. Yeah. And that that's very, very, very similar situation there. So I, I, I actually think the Patriots now, uh, w- wouldn't have picked him up or, or, or would have maybe signed him, then traded him. Um, and uh, man, they, you know, I, I, I love Vaughn. He without Super Bowl 50 um, or without Vaughn, you absolutely don't have Super Bowl 50, but this kind of goes along the lines, Mace. Peyton Manning had the best season as a quarterback this game has ever seen in 2013. Just over a year later, John Elway goes to him and says, if you want to be on this team, you need to take a pay cut. And, that, then, he earned, and then he earned it back. Right. But he said, I'm not going to pay you for what you've done for me in the past. I'm going to pay you for the quarterback that you are right now, and you need to take a pay cut. A pay cut. Which, for Peyton Manning. And, man, I, I, I got to say, I thought that was a very bold move. I, I don't even know if I agree with that. But that – and then what did they do? They won the freaking Super Bowl. And John Elway said, I'll pay you for what you did. Here's all that money back because you won that. that, that that's the mentality. And that when John Elway did that, they won. Maybe it's a coincidence, but it, all I'm saying is he didn't – he didn't pay Peyton Manning for what he's done in the past. He paid him for what he was going to do in the future. But you also bring up Chandler Jones. And the one thing I'll say about Chandler Jones is this. He played four seasons for the Patriots and two of them he had, he had only six sacks. So I don't think that's, a, that's, a, that's analogous in terms of when they were evaluating him to where you were when you evaluated Von Miller. You could, also, has- you could also say Chandler Jones letting him, letting him go – that's one of the few examples. There aren't many, but there are a few examples of the Patriots parting ways with somebody who clearly had a lot left in the tank. That's one, that's one that I think if you went up to Bill Belichick, you'd say he'd probably want to have that one back. Mace, what has Chandler Jones uh, and the Arizona Cardinals done since being traded? Well, just because – look, if you're putting too much on the, on the whole thing of, oh, well, if the team isn't good, is it worth having – a great player, which I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's, that, that's just crazy. That's nonsense because what you're saying, what you're saying is you might as well go 0 16. If you can't win at all, it's, it's all, it's all or nothing. It's saying that every game uh, doesn't matter. doesn't bring, uh, doesn't bring some sort of satisfaction along the way. I, I look, I saw this in working with teams as well that, you know, the whole thing of, well, if you don't win the Super Bowl, then you didn't accomplish anything. Well, that's 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 bullplop. That's crazy. If that if that is your only standard for success, you're going to be disappointed and miserable. But 
the, 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 the Cardinals have not been a good team. Chandler Jones has been a very good to great player for them. And in, this, football, in football, you're going to have good to great players on bad teams that can't necessarily will that team to a, to a winning record. Just because you have, you, you have 46 guys active on game day and one player, even a transcendent one, unless they're a quarterback, is only going to have but so much impact. I guess this is a bigger conversation on um, how much you're willing to pay uh, and prioritize each position on your team. Both Chandler Jones and Von Miller pass rushers. You can make an argument that Chandler Jones and Von Miller have been the best player on their team since Chandler Jones got to Arizona and Von Miller since they got the big deal. Well, both of those guys, uh, let's look at 2016 on. We know the Broncos have had one winning season in that time going nine and seven. The Arizona Cardinals, since they got Chandler Jones, uh, zero winning seasons. They have one eight and eight season. They have a seven eight and one season, a three and thirteen season, a five ten and one season last year. Chandler Jones, kind of the opposite of Von Miller. The Cardinals took him on. They knew he was a very good player. Like you said, Macy had two six sack seasons uh, with New England, an eleven and a half sack season, and the year they traded for him before they got him, he was coming off a twelve and a half sack career best season. So they knew they were getting a guy going into his prime. Very similar to Von Miller in, in 2015, 2016. Since then, Chandler Jones has only exploded, only gotten better. 11 sacks, 17 sacks, which led the league. 13 sacks and 19 sacks. And he was the centerpiece of their team, of their defense, certainly. Same thing with Von Miller. And what does that equate to? Nothing. All that proves is that a quarterback as to whether you have success because what do the Arizona Cardinals and the Denver Broncos have in common for most of the last four years? Because the Cardinals, that, that four-year stretch started with Carson Palmer fading, being in the darkness, trying Josh Rosen. Now they have some direction with Kyler Murray. And the Broncos, they go through Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Joe Flacco, and, uh, and Brown, and, and Case Keenum in there. I, I forgot about Case Keenum. So it is all about – so basically, yeah, it is all about the quarterback. It remains about the quarterback. But when you do get that – do that get that quarterback and get that offense figured out, you're going to want an elite pass rusher, pass rusher. If the Cardinals figure things out this year and Kyler Murray does well, you know what? They're going to be thankful and grateful if they have Chandler Jones because they could be playing from ahead and they could have a, a pass rusher who can, really, who can really close things out. If the Broncos get what they're expecting out of Drew Locke this year, they're going to be thankful they have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb because they're going to have two guys who can close things out from the edge. I think when your highest pay, I think what it says is when your best highest paid players on the defensive side of the ball, that that's not good. Now, does it mean that you shouldn't have those guys? No, but the Broncos made a full commit. Now this is bigger than Von Miller. Now the Broncos made a full commitment on the defensive side of the ball. uh, That, and that's, that's not how you win. And Von Miller was the focal point of that. And so I don't think you can just write him off as, Oh, uh, it didn't didn't have a quarterback, so uh, uh, it doesn't matter. You, you can pay him whatever. I, I think resources could be used in different ways, um, maybe to get that quarterback. You know, you you have if Von Miller is so valuable, maybe move him to get parts that can help you get that quarterback. Because it doesn't matter if you have a good defensive player. The problem. Uh, the problem is that, that quarterback. The problem is getting that quarterback. You're rarely going to get that guy uh, without drafting him. Peyton Manning being available is an exception. Tom Brady being available this year. If he works out for the Bucks, it's an exception. Usually, you got to draft that guy. How many? Uh, 
what was the the trade value for Von Miller after Super Bowl Fifty? Probably three once. That sounds three, like not three nice. once, two two once. That's it. Nice. That's that sounds like a lot of value in order to go get your quarterback in the draft. In order to to that, then you would have you know three first round picks, including your own, to to move around in the draft. That's but a lot. It, that's a lot of value. But the types of teams that would trade for Von Miller are probably the ones that already had the quarterback and were looking for the final piece. And so that first round pick, maybe you're talking about it being 25 or maybe even 32. If okay. It, if it works out for that team. And then, then the, the first round value isn't going to be all that great. Well, if, that, speaking. if that's the case, then you would have four first round picks within a two year span that can move you very high in a draft, especially considering that the Broncos pick will probably pretty hot be pretty high anyway. So what you're saying is you wouldn't have given Von Miller that deal. I mean, hindsight being 2020, you wouldn't have paid Von Miller. Oh, hindsight being 20. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I think it's hard I, because I, the emotions yeah. are there without a well, doubt. And that does matter in franchise culture and what, and what players mean long-term does matter. I, if I'm, if I have an organization I don't want to be the type of organization where a guy plays five brilliant years for you at the start of his career. And you say, "Nah, thanks, but no thanks. We're moving on from you. That's, that's just not the type of organization I want to have. Okay. Okay. Well, Mace, that was a very fun discussion <laughs> there, man. A, a lot of good discussions here today on the pod. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. And before we get out of here, I got to tell you about Davidson's, which has two locations, one in Centennial and one in Highlands Ranch. These guys are locally owned and have a massive selection and carry our favorite Breck brews and really anything that you want to drink, whether it's uh, wine, spirits, or any type of beers you want, of course, including the Breck brews. And make sure to get their delicious 15-can sampler pack uh, from Davidson's. And guys, you can now go into the store. Their sales floor is open. You can do curbside pickup, and you can even get it delivered straight to your house. So make sure to download their app, which has all the information you need, and sign up for their loyalty program. Guys, it's Davidson's. Check them out in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. Well, that was a fun one today. I really appreciate you guys rolling with me, and I really appreciate everyone that rolls with us. So for Mace, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a great day. 